Welcome to the Vintage Church Podcast. Vintage Church is a movement of truth, love, and community. For more information, visit VintageChurchNola.com. Here is this week's message. Good morning. Anybody ready for a spontaneous dance party? Oh, wow. Wow. Okay. That wasn't planned, by the way. Impressive back there. Very impressive. Hey, welcome. Good morning. If I've never met you before, my name is Dustin Turner. I serve as the lead pastor of Vintage Church, and we are kicking back off our series through the book of Hebrews called Can't Stop, Won't Stop. Can't Stop? Can't stop? That's what we're talking about. And so we're going to be in Hebrews 3. If you don't have a Bible, uh, lift up your hand. Our Connect team would love to get you a copy of God's Word. If you have one, turn to Hebrews 3. If you're new to the Bible, if you turn more toward the back end of your Bible, you're going to find the book of Hebrews there. Back in February, we kicked off this series, and we're going to uh, be there. We were there in February. We're here for the next four weeks. We're going to be back in Hebrews at the end of the year and then a couple of more times in 2020. Believe it or not, next year is 2020. Uh, if you didn't know that, it's kind of crazy. But that's what we're going to be. And we're kind of breaking up this book into bigger chunks and bigger sections for us to understand and keep coming back to this reality. And in Hebrews 1 and 2, the author lays out this argument. And what he's getting at, the whole point, the reason the series is called Can't Stop, Won't Stop is not because it's cool and it's got a great dance song to it and all of those sorts of things, right? The point is the point of the book. The whole point of the book of Hebrews is to that we can't stop and we won't stop. That if God has saved us through his son Jesus, then the last thing that we need to do is to retreat or run away from Jesus. Rather, we need to persevere in our faith. And in Hebrews 1 and 2, what the author sets out to do is, number one, help us see that Jesus is God's final revelation to his church, meaning this is the last and perfect way in which God has communicated to us. The second thing that he does in Hebrews 2 is he begins to lay out this argument of Jesus' superiority to other things. And so in Hebrews 2, what the author does is he shows us that Jesus is better than, greater than the angels. And what we're going to see in Hebrews 3 is he does that again with a new character, with a new person. And here's what I want you to think about. As we're talking about uh, Jesus being better than or greater than anything that we've ever experienced, I want you to think about in your own life things that you've had before that are good, but then you move on to something that is better, right? Now, I know some of us have a really hard time, right? We like change only when we don't have to experience change, right? (laughs) That's true, whether you like it or not, right? I'm an old school, I like the book in my hand. None of this e-reader stuff. It's a bunch of garbage. It's ridiculous. You want to hold the real thing, smell the pages, right? You want to experience it, right? So I don't like change all that much, but some things are better as they go. Think about this, black and white television. Now, we don't have black and white television. We have not only color, but HD. I mean, you can almost be there, right? I mean, now they have the goggles and everything. You practically can be there, right? 
Who wants to go back to black and white? No one wants to. One Joe wants to do that. One person, right? When I was a kid, I used to, when I spent the night at my great-grandmother's, we would watch Nick at Night. And Nick at Night back then wasn't like full, or ha- full house, right? It was like the Dick Van Dyke show and I Love Lucy and all those sorts of things. And I was watching television in black and white. I like color HD a whole lot better. How about Blockbuster? Any Blockbuster fans? I, I, I know, right? You know there's still a store left, right? There's one store in Alaska. One store, right? But now we have Netflix, you know, when you went to Blockbuster, you would drive to Blockbuster and you're praying that they have the movie you want to watch, right? And even if it was a new release, they had like 10 copies, but they all 10 could be gone. So you, you didn't know. Now, I don't have to leave the confines of my house. I don't even have to get dressed, right? I mean, wearing clothes, but my pajamas, right? So I don't even, I don't have to do any of these things. I can pull out my remote and watch whatever I want to watch for however long I want to watch. So Netflix, so much better. Hulu, so much better. Amazon Prime, so much better. How about the corded phone? Anybody remember the corded phone? Where you could only, yeah, the turn dial or, you know, you were confined to a certain amount of space. You had a perimeter that you could walk in, right? Uh, One of my favorite stories about uh, those phones is like you had the presets. So as a kid, you know, I didn't have all my family's numbers memorized, but I had like Grandparents were on one, great-grandma was on two. One time, my mom spanked me, and I pushed, I dialed two to call my great-grandmother. I said, Granny, mom spanked me. She said, put your mother on the phone. (laughs) Mom gets on the phone. What are you doing spanking that boy? I was in bigger trouble after that, right? So, but why would we go back to that when we have the iPhone? We literally have a mini-computer in our pocket, right? I think that's a bigger computer in our pocket than was on the Apollo 11 mission. I mean, that's crazy, right? Why would we go back to that? There's so many other examples of when you had something that was really good that moved to better. And the author of Hebrews in Hebrews 3 is trying to help us see why would you go back What we're going to see, why would you go back to your Judaism? These were Jewish Christians, right? The book of Hebrews is a letter, but it's also like a sermon. And the the writer is writing to a group of Christians who were Christians, followers of Jesus, but they came from a Jewish background. And they were trying to go back to Judaism. And the writer is saying, why would you return? Why would you go back to Judaism when you have something so much better and so much greater in Jesus? And so that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. Before we turn to Hebrews 3, I want you to kind of grab hold of this statement. Because Jesus is greater, hold on to Jesus. Let's say that together. Because Jesus is greater, hold on to Jesus. One more time. Because Jesus is greater, hold on to Jesus. Let's look at Hebrews 3 together. Verses 1 through 6. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession, who is faithful to him who appointed him just as Moses also was faithful in all of God's house. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of a house 
has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now, Moses was faithful in all of God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son, and we are his house if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. Now, there's a lot of things in this text that I want us to understand this morning. The first thing is this. I think what the author of Hebrews is reminding us is that we need to meditate on Jesus' faithfulness. Meditate on Jesus' faithfulness. Look at verses 1 through 2 again. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, do what? Consider Jesus. What are they supposed to do? Consider Jesus. What are they supposed to do? Consider Jesus. The apostle and high priest of our confession who was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house. Now there's three elements to these first two verses. Number one, there's who are we? That question, who are we? Or who was the audience that the writer of Hebrews was writing to. Look at what he says in verses 1 and 2. How does he describe the audience? Holy brothers, right? You could also say holy brothers and sisters. That word is plural and can include both genders. He also says this, you who share in a heavenly calling, right? There's perception and there's reality. And this is so important here because These Christians have either left the faith or they're considering leaving the faith. But the writer wants them to know, listen, what you are perceiving, what perception looks like is that you've left. But what reality is, what I want you to know is that you are still holy, meaning because of the work of Jesus, brothers and sisters in the family of God. And you, even though you think you might have left, have a heavenly calling. I don't know what's going on in your life or how you feel right now or what you're experiencing. Whether or not you feel like, hey, now's the time, I'm getting out of this, or God could never love me because of this. In this passage, we see the perception versus reality. That we're holy brothers and sisters, that we have a heavenly calling. What Paul gets, or what the author of Hebrews gets to next is answering this question, who was Moses. Now this is really important. Hopefully you've already seen just reading this passage, the comparison that the author of Hebrews is making to Jesus and Moses, right? He's just in chapter two, he's talked about Jesus and the angels. Now he's moving to Jesus and Moses. And so it's important for us to understand who Moses was. Really big deal, really important guy, right? Wrote the first five books of the Bible, the Torah, the Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. In in Hebrew culture and in Israelite history, Moses is the model of what an Old Testament prophet should look like. A prophet, someone who spoke on behalf of God to the people of God. So, I mean, he's like the prototype. He is the example for what a prophet should be look like in the peop- with the people of Israel. He also led the people of Israel out of captivity from Egypt. Again, kind of a big deal, right? 
You're enslaved for 400 years. You have no hope of getting out. You have this guy called by God who comes back to Egypt and delivers the people of Israel out of slavery. So Moses is a well-known figure. And lastly, he was like a priest. His brother Aaron was the, the high priest, but, but Moses kind of was a unique character. He was unique because of the way that God engaged him. Look, look, I want you to look at these passages with me that speak about Moses. Look at Numbers 12, verses 6 through the beginning of 8. This is God speaking, and he says this, And he said, Hear my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. Now, what he's saying there is, listen, God reveals himself to the prophets. But how? Not directly, through a vision. But look at what he says about Moses. Verse 7, not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. Does that sound familiar? Hebrews 3, Moses was faithful in the house of God. Verse 8, with him I speak mouth to mouth clearly and not in riddles, and he beholds the form of the Lord. So Moses is unlike any other priest to ever come to the people of Israel because he has been almost face-to-face with God and God has spoken directly to him. God never does that again with another high priest on a normal, regular basis. Look at Deuteronomy 34, verses 9 through 12. Moses is dying. Joshua is, being, is taking over. He's going to lead the people into the promised land. And Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him. So the people of Israel obeyed him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. Verse 10. And there has not arisen a prophet since in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. None like him for all the signs and the wonders that the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt to Pharaoh and to all his servants and to all his land and for all the mighty power and all the great deeds of terror that Moses did in the sight of all of Israel. Moses is a big deal. Right? That's what the author of Hebrews is is reminding these Christians. And they would have known that. Why? Because they were Jewish Christians. They had read Moses, they had read about Moses, they had learned about Moses, they honored and respected Moses. The point that the author is trying to show us is that Moses was faithful to God. Moses was faithful. Now we're going to see why that is important in just a little bit. The last thing that he says in in verses 1 through 2 is he answers the question, who is Jesus? He calls Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. Now, when we read the word apostle in the Bible, oftentimes it's referring to one of two things. It's referring to the apostles, right, who were the disciples of Jesus, the apostle Paul, typically those people who had seen the risen Jesus, or in the early church it was an office in the church. And so that's what we typically think about when we hear the word or see the word apostle. But here, the author is using it differently because literally the word means to be sent or the sent one. 
And so the point that the author of Hebrews is making is that Jesus was the sent one by God. That God sent Jesus to earth to dwell among men. And it's not just this reality of coming to earth and living among men, but then being sent on mission, that he was the apostle and high priest of our confession. Now, the high priest part's really important. Why? Because what did we just say about Moses? He was a priest. And so Jesus came to earth on mission, sent by God as a high priest. What did a high priest do? They mediated between God and the people. In our city, we think about what? Roman Catholicism. Because when you go to a Catholic church, you can see a priest. And if you're Catholic, what do you sometimes do? You go to confession. Why do you go to confession? Because that priest is an intermediary between you confessing your sin and God hearing your confession. Now, that's an example because what does the book of Hebrews say right here? Do we need another man standing in between us and God? No, because Jesus is that great high priest standing in between God and us. But it helps us understand what priests did. And the important thing about Jesus was his identity, right? Because Jesus was unlike any other high priest. Why? Because he was not only fully man, just like us in every conceivable way, but also fully God, completely unlike us and completely God. And so now you have this person who has put on flesh, God bearing flesh, being just like us, who now can stand in between us and God, mediating between us. That's, that's, listen, that might seem like just a bunch of information, but that's incredible. Because until the coming of Jesus we kept going to a high priest and we kept making sacrifices that were ultimately imperfect, that could never fully and truly make us right with God. And the work of Jesus, listen, the gospel, the work of Jesus, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus is the work that Jesus completed that we might be made right with God. If Jesus had not gone to the cross, our sins would not have been paid for. If Jesus would have not resurrected from the grave, sin, death, and hell would not have been defeated. And now the world in which you and I live, reality, not just perception, reality is that we can be forgiven from our sins and made right with God. Amen? That is good news. And the point the author of Hebrews is trying to make is not only, listen, not only was Moses faithful, but Jesus is faithful too. Jesus is faithful to us as well. Now why is that important? Because of what we're going to see in verses 3 through 6. So we meditate on Jesus' faithfulness. But look at verses 3 through 6. What I think the author is challenging us to do is honor Jesus' faithfulness. Look at these verses. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses. Right? Both of them. Big deals. Both of them 
faithful to God, but Jesus has been counted as, as, with more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. So there's a comparison going on. And the whole point, listen, when we think about honor, here's what I want you to think about. When we think about honoring something, it's about respecting, it's about revering that thing. And so what, listen, what the author of Hebrews is saying is we, listen, Moses deserves to be honored and respected and revered. But what he's saying is, listen, just as much as Moses is to be respected and revered, Jesus has more glory, therefore he deserves what? More honor, more respect, more reverence. And so I think one way to think about this is to compare and contrast who was Moses with who was Jesus, how we see the author doing that. So we have this chart for you that'll help you kind of understand who was Moses and who was Jesus. So what does the author of Hebrews say? The first thing that he says is that Moses was a faithful servant, big deal, right? Faithful servant. But Jesus wasn't just a servant. He was the faithful son. Now, if you have a hired hand working for someone and you have the, the, the owner's son, who has more honor? Who has more respect? The son, right? Jesus even had parables about that. So Moses did an incredible job. He was a faithful servant, but he wasn't the son of the owner. Jesus is the faithful son. What else does the text say? He was a member of God's house. Moses was a member of God's house. We just read that in in, in Numbers, in Deuteronomy. He was a member of God's house, but he wasn't the builder of God's house. Jesus was the builder of God's house. The argument that the author of Hebrews is trying to make is it's a bigger deal to be the builder of the house than the house, or to be a builder of the house and a part of the house. So greater honor, greater respect, greater reverence. Moses testified to what was to come. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, everything that Moses says points to the coming of Jesus. But Jesus fulfilled what was to come. You see, Everything that the author is saying is, listen, Moses is fantastic, he is great, but he is not better than Jesus. And so if Moses is not better than Jesus, why would we return to Moses? So if, if, if you're a Jew, and what he's saying here, if you are Jewish and you are following Jesus, there's no reason to go back to Moses when we have the better Jesus, Think about your own life. Maybe it's, a, maybe it's a religious thing. Maybe you were a part of another religion. And you're now thinking about maybe it would just be better. Maybe it would be easier. Maybe it would be more comfortable if I just returned back to that religion. But just think about your entire past. Right? If the past is almost always easier and come more comfortable. It's the past, right? 
And you probably made a decision. Jesus saved you. You made a decision to leave that past, whether it was friends, drugs and alcohol, weird beliefs, whatever it was, to pursue Jesus. And what the author of Hebrews is telling you and I is that Jesus is better than all of that. So don't go back. It's the past. Jesus is better than all of that. I think a good way to to think about this is how many of you, you've worked somewhere before and you've, the owner has been a part of your company, but you also have a manager. And this is how I've thought about this. Think about this illustration just briefly with me. It's like receiving the right instructions from your manager. So your manager comes to you, tells you to do something. It's correct. They're right. And you're about ready to do them. But days later, you receive new instructions from the owner. New. They're still good. They're just different. I've worked in those companies before. I'm just like, can these people not get on the same page? I don't understand it. This is what's happening here. But then days later, the owner comes and gives you new instructions. Both are right, but the new instructions from the owner always supersedes the manager. Why? Because the manager's not the owner. Moses was not the builder. Moses is not God. He was a faithful steward, a faithful manager, but Jesus is God and the builder of the house. Therefore, we listen to Jesus and do what Jesus says. Moses was faithful. Moses was great, but Jesus is better. Whatever you've experienced, whether it was good, bad, or ugly, Jesus is better. Jesus is always better. Always. All of this, everything, this argument that the writer of Hebrews is making up to this point, The fact that Jesus is better than Moses, that both of them were faithful, but Jesus was better, brings us to this last part of verse 6. And this is, listen, this is the meat and potatoes. This is where the rubber meets the road. This is the most important thing that the author is wanting us to hear, that we should trust Jesus' faithfulness. Look at the end of verse 6. So he said all of these things about Jesus. Jesus is more deserving of more honor because he's faithful and he's the son. And then he says this, and we are his house. If indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. We are his house. If indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. You see, what the author is saying is, listen, this is Jesus. You are his house. He is what has built you. They're not talking about a literal house. It's a figure figure of expression. It's a metaphor that we are the body of Christ. We are the house of the Lord. We are what Jesus has built. And so again, he's saying, why would you go back to a member of the house when you have the builder of the house? And therefore, you are to remain confident and boast in your hope. You don't go back to the things that you've experienced in the past, regardless of whether they were good or whether they were bad, because Jesus is greater and Jesus is better. That's what you stick with. That's what you stay with. And part of the point, listen, throughout the the book of Hebrews, perseverance is key. 
Why? Because again, these people were thinking about walking away from Jesus. But the point, here's the point, the point is not to work for your salvation, right? We just read Ephesians 2, we just sang about standing in God's love. It is unmerited grace and favor that saves us. It does, there's nothing you can do to earn your salvation. God demonstrated his love for you by sending your son Jesus. Did you hear that? It's not, hey, God demonstrated his love for you when you picked yourself up and cleaned yourself off. No. While you were a sinner, Christ died for you. Then God saved you. That's grace and that's mercy. So there's nothing you can do to earn your salvation, but listen, persevering is partially on us. It's like me saying, I love you, and then going and talking about you behind your back, backstabbing you. Do you think I love you if I backstab you? No. You should know the answer to that question. That's not a trick question. Most of the questions up here are not trick questions, by the way. It's pass-fail. You're not going to think I love you. And so the point of what the, the author of Hebrews is saying is, listen, if you say you love Jesus and God has saved you through his son Jesus, what is that going to produce in your life? It's going to produce perseverance. It's going to produce a life that looks like you love Jesus. That, that's the Christian faith. That you would live a life consistent with what Jesus teaches following and loving him that is perseverance and the point is not to turn back from what you knew but to follow jesus and love him one author says it like this perseverance does not gain salvation but demonstrates the reality that true salvation indeed has been inaugurated and so when you persevere you prove you demonstrate your love for god you demonstrate it to yourself, you demonstrate it to our world, and you ultimately demonstrate it to God. So here in Hebrews 3, it says, what are we to hold fast to? We're to hold fast to our confidence and hope. And the point, this, the whole point of all of this, Jesus is faithful. Jesus is greater than Moses. What is our confidence and our hope in? In us? In us? Thank you. In others, in Jesus. <laughs> I like that. That's good. It's in Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is the one who has been faithful. And so we hold fast to the confidence and to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ because we know it to be true and we know that Jesus will be faithful. That's what we hold fast to. Pastor Rob Wilton, our founding pastor, has said it like this. We don't fight for victory. We fight from victory. And that's so true. Because when you know you've won the battle, you are going to live your life differently. And it's not like you strut and say, look what I've done. But you keep going back to who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. Because it's Jesus and his faithfulness that's going to sustain you over the long haul. The reason you're able to persevere in life is not because you're really good, but Jesus is really faithful. That's it. So the moment you begin to think, hey, I've got this thing figured out, or I'm pretty good, 
is the moment you begin to fail and fall because you've forgotten the faithfulness of Jesus. And for some of us, this is very difficult because in life, people have let us down. Anybody been let down before? And so what we begin to think is if we've been let down in all of these other relationships, then surely Jesus is going to let us down. But that's exactly what the author of Hebrews is trying to remind us, is that Jesus will not let you down. He's faithful. And because he's faithful, you can trust him. So, can't stop? Can't stop? Can't stop? We can't stop and we won't stop. We don't look back at our past and think, man, maybe that's better. We look forward being reminded of our confession in Jesus Christ, knowing that Jesus has been, is, and always will be faithful. And because of that, we cling to Jesus. And so my question for us this morning is simply this. Will you hold on to Jesus? Wherever you're at, regardless of what's going on, will you hold on to Jesus? Maybe it's, a, maybe it's not thinking about necessarily walking away from the faith, but maybe it's beginning to live your life out of step with Jesus' way. And part of clinging to Jesus and holding on to Jesus is not necessarily just walking away completely, but recognizing that something in your life needs to change. For some of you, maybe you're like, man, I am about ready to walk away from it all. It's clinging to Jesus in this very moment. Will you hold on to Jesus? Because he's been faithful and he will continue to be faithful. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And we thank you for the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. God, that he was completely faithful to the plan to redeem us, to come to the cross, to resurrect from the grave, and now rules and reigns as our Savior and Lord. And so, Father, I pray for us now as we are about to respond to the good news of Jesus, God, that we would hold on to Jesus, that we would cling to Jesus, that we would be reminded of his faithfulness and continue to trust in that faithfulness. Help us now as we respond to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.